Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 29. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are terrorish, um, ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So as most of you know, uh, my family and I moved recently, and so we're in a new neighborhood, and this past Tuesday, I decided to try out uh, a new walking path near my neighborhood. There's this conservation area in my neighborhood, and I thought, I'm going to go walk there. So I went, parked in the parking area, and found what I assumed was the path. It looked like this. That looks like the path, right? That's like right by the, the parking. So usually when you go to a conservation area, the path by the parking lot is where you're supposed to go, right? Okay, so... Um, but I hadn't gone too far before I was confronted with an unexpected sign that looked like this. (laughs) No trespassing, active shooting ranges. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) so I guess not this way. Um, it did take me a little searching. I had to go online and find someone else's like, actually, you're going to walk five minutes down from the parking and through a field next to some solar panels. And then is the walking path. Um, But that bright pink sign did its job. Do not go here. (laughs) Listen, as Jesus is wrapping up his Sermon on the Mount, these last verses we read today, they are like that bright pink sign. He is saying, do not go this way. It leads to destruction. Don't go this way. Jesus says in these verses, there are only two ways, okay? There is one way that leads to life and one way that leads to destruction. These last illustrations that Paul just read, these things about gates and about wolves and sheep and trees and houses, they're all saying the same thing in like four different ways. They're telling us Jesus' big idea as he's wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying, listen, the kingdom of God leads to life. Everything else leads to death. And you have to choose which way you're going to go. The kingdom of God leads to life, everything else leads to death, and you have to choose which way you're going to go. You have to choose. For three chapters now, right? Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus has been telling people about what life is supposed to look like in God's kingdom. He's been telling people what life in God's kingdom looks like. Life in God's kingdom is life where our values are upside down. 
Instead of pitying the poor, they are praised and lifted up. Instead of looking down on the meek, they're exalted. Instead of considering naive people who seek peace and show mercy and live in simple purity, those people are, are said to be the ones who actually get it. Jesus says in God's kingdom, our whole job, all we need to do is bring the light and taste of God to everywhere we go. And so we follow God's law. We treat people well. In God's kingdom, we are so full of gratitude for his love and mercy to us that it spills out on everyone we meet. That's what's supposed to happen in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, we're not worried about money. We don't hoard our stuff because we know that God loves us and he'll take care of us. This frees us to give to people who are in need without holding back. In God's kingdom, we know we've been forgiven. We've been rescued. We have been made new. So we don't judge other people. We're too busy being grateful for God's grace toward us. And last week, we learned that in God's kingdom, right, we know we are on a journey toward the new heavens and the new earth where everything will will be made right someday. And so when right now we're discouraged, we're confused, we're doubting, we can take all of that to our Father because we know how much he loves us. We know that every time we go to God, we will be received with arms wide open and God saying, I'm so glad you're here. I've been waiting for you. Jesus has been doing all this talking to show us the beauty of life in God's kingdom. He has shown us that God's way leads to life. And now he wants to tell us two more things. He wants to give us a couple words of caution about choosing to go God's way. First, Jesus says, God's way is hard. It will be difficult. That's what he's saying in verse 14. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus wants us to know up front that following God's plan will be difficult in a world that has chosen independence from God. Over and over in the Gospels, Jesus wants to make sure his disciples know that there's going to be a cost to following him. In Matthew 16, a few chapters from now, we're going to read that Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Listen, Around here at Harbor, we talk a lot about, we celebrate a lot, the joy and the peace and the love that we experience with Jesus. And that's all true. It's what gets us through the difficult times. And it will do you no good if we pretend that following Jesus is only ever unicorns and rainbows. Sometimes following Jesus is hard. Sometimes following Jesus is lonely. Sometimes it is frustrating. Dying to ourselves so that we can be more generous, more humble, more loving, like Jesus, that's painful. To be a disciple of Jesus means that we're submitting to him as Lord of our life. That means from now on, we're choosing what he wants for our life instead of what we want for our lives. And Jesus won't share the throne of your heart. There is no room for another king. He will not share your heart with your pursuit of success at work. He will not share your heart with your desires for fame or wealth or security or approval from people. Choosing Jesus as the king of your heart means saying no 
to everything else as your ultimate goal in life. So Jesus wants us to know up front that choosing God's way, oh, it leads to life, but it will be hard. There will be difficult seasons. It will cost us. It'll be worth it in the end. But Jesus doesn't want us to be surprised that it will be hard. He doesn't want us to be caught off guard and give up. So Jesus says the first thing about choosing God's way is it will be hard sometimes. The second thing Jesus says is that the only way to stay on that road, the only way to experience full life in God's kingdom is to do what God says. The only way to stay on this path towards God's beautiful kingdom, to experience all that he has to offer, to experience the joy and beauty and fullness and peace of life in God's kingdom, the only way to experience all that is to listen to what God says and do it. That's what he's getting at in all these illustrations that Paul just read. In verses 15 and 16, Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And then again in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but only the one who does the will of my Father, who's in heaven. And then again in verses 24 and 25, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. In these illustrations, Jesus is pointing to the reality that the only way to life in God's kingdom is to obey what God says. This seems obvious, (laughs) But we need to sit in this for a minute. Because listen, life in God's kingdom does not come about just because we show up at church on Sunday for an hour. Life in God's kingdom does not come about just because we post a Bible verse on social media. Life in God's kingdom does not come about, Jesus says, even by impressive displays of spirituality. Life in God's kingdom is not accomplished by great sermons or incredible worship bands or beautiful church buildings. Jesus says we can have all those things and still miss God's kingdom. Because life in God's kingdom only happens if we actually do what God says. In the Sermon on the Mount, these three chapters we've been sitting in these last few weeks, there's a Greek word called uh, poieo that shows up 22 times. 22 times the Greek word poieo shows up. It's the Greek action verb, to do, to make, to produce. Eight of those times are in our passages we just read today. Jesus has spent three chapters telling us what life looks like in God's kingdom. And he says that if we want God's kingdom, we have to actually do those things. Actually give our money to the poor. Actually forgive. Actually pray for God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven, and then participate in doing it. We have to not just read God's word and listen to sermons about God's word and sing about God's word and have great Bible studies about God's word. We have to do what God's word says. That's the purpose of the Bible study method a lot of us are using right now in our journey groups. It's called the Discovery Bible Study Method. And the point of this way of reading the Bible is to read God's word and put it into action. The last question that's asked every single week in this method of Bible study is, how are we going to do this? How are we going to put this into practice? And the first question the next week is always, how did we do? How do we do? Journey groups are not for us here at Harbor 
to just learn more facts about the Bible and its history and its interpretation and get more knowledge about the Bible. The purpose of our whole community here at Harbor is to read God's word and do what it says. Become more like Jesus. So Jesus says there are two ways. There's God's way that leads to life. And, oh, it'll be hard. And we have to actually do what God says. This is God's way that leads to life. And then he says everything else, everything else leads to death. There is no third way. There is no in-between. There is simply God's kingdom that gives life and everything else that leads to death. That's what Jesus says. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Listen, Jesus isn't speaking here to people who are like atheists or people who have completely rejected all belief in God. In this verse, Jesus is talking to people who would have all assented to belief in the God of Israel. What Jesus is saying here is, look, it's easy to say you believe in God, to say you want his kingdom, but to not actually be following God. So this verse is not aimed primarily at your atheist coworker or someone who follows another religion that doesn't acknowledge Jesus. This verse is aimed at people like us, people who say we believe in God. Jesus wants us to see clearly that if we are not submitting to God's will, if we're not doing what God says, then we're headed toward the same end as those who reject God altogether. Jesus is not interested in religious performance that makes people think they're better people. What Jesus is after is a participation in God's kingdom that actually forms us more into the image of Christ. Oh, the wide path is easy. The wide path says that God is like Santa. He'll give you what you want. He'll comfort you when you're sad, when you're alone. Oh, but this God doesn't require anything of you. The wide path says your faith in God should reward you in the here and now with an easy life and plenty of money and a happy family. The wide path preaches forgiveness without repentance, community without commitment, discipleship without obedience, and blessing without suffering. This kind of spirituality seems easy. And Jesus says it is false, and it leads only to death. In these verses, Jesus says various ways that choosing to go this way, the the way of lip service and spiritual performance without submitting to him as king, that it ends in destruction. Using four different metaphors and word pictures, he repeats it. In verse 13, he says that the wide path leads to destruction. In verse 19, he says, Every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In verse 23, he says, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And in verses 26 and 27, that everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is saying that choosing not to do what God says, choosing not to live life God's way, it ends in disaster. 
It ends in destruction. It ends in being burned up and obliterated. It ends with being unknown and being turned away. It ends with falling apart. It might seem like things are going fine for a while, but the destination of that road is absolutely disaster. Those are four different ways Jesus uses to tell us that even though life in God's kingdom, life God's way, is sometimes hard, the other option is worse. So he's posting a big pink sign saying, don't go that way. Don't go that way. It leads to death. Listen, I I don't know exactly what life will be like after we die. I just don't. Compared to all the other things the Bible talks about, the Bible talks very little about life after death. And everything Jesus and other people say utilizes metaphors that probably made way more sense to people living 2,000 years ago than they do to us. Some Christian people believe that, you know, people who don't believe God and choose his way are destined to eternal conscious torment. Some people believe that um, people who don't want God's will will just stop existing. Some Christians believe that people will be given continual chances to choose God. C.S. Lewis says that hell is a door locked from the inside. But I don't think we have to know exactly what the next life is going to look like to know that life outside of God's kingdom is death. The story of the Bible makes clear that we are already experiencing the reality that life outside of God's kingdom leads to death. The Bible is filled with stories of strife and war and discord that illustrate the results of life lived our way. And we see every day the results of life lived outside of God's kingdom, don't we? War abuse, poverty, racism, sexism, greed, division, selfishness, ignorance, hate. We don't need to wait until we die to see the reality of what Jesus says here. Life outside of God's kingdom leads to death. And whatever eternal life without God looks like, it will certainly be more of that. God's way is difficult, Jesus says. But the other way is death. So Jesus is making it clear there are only two ways. The path that leads to God's kingdom and the path that doesn't. The path of God's kingdom is narrow. It is hard. But it leads to life. The other path seems easier. It accommodates whatever I want to do and believe for a while but it ends in death. And so Jesus ends his sermon here with a sobering challenge to choose. Choose. Choose which way you will go. Jesus says a wise person will look at all of what he has said and choose to do life the way of God's kingdom. The wise person will listen to what Jesus says and see that even though God's kingdom requires sacrifice and self-denial, The wise person will realize it is the far better way. It leads to life. But Jesus says the foolish person will listen to everything he said and just keep on going their own way. Keep on assuming that they can have God's way and their own. Keep on assuming that as long as they look like a good person on the outside, they'll be fine. But the choice is ours, Jesus says. This has been the choice of humans since our beginning in the Garden of Eden. 
Adam and Eve had the choice to obey God or believe the lies of Satan. In the Old Testament book of Joshua, the people of Israel are offered the same choice, God's way or another way. Joshua says, if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. The book of Jeremiah says it this way, see, I am setting before you the way of life and the way of death. Over and over, we have been offered the choice of life or death, the way of God and his kingdom or the way of our own making. We just have to choose. Now, at this point, some of you might be saying, um, yes, but historically, choosing to do life God's way is something people have been really bad at. <laughs> really bad. Every single person who's ever lived has messed up, has chosen selfishness over selflessness, retaliation instead of forgiveness, control over surrender. Even those of us who desire to follow Jesus know that we struggle immensely to choose the kingdom of God with any consistency. So listen, the worst possible thing that can happen at the end of today, at the end of this last sermon in our series at sermon on, over the Sermon on the Mount, the worst thing that you could do is to walk out today and think, okay, so what we need to do is just try harder to be good. Try harder to look like Jesus. Try harder to be generous. If your strategy to be like Jesus is just to try harder, you will fail every single time. Jesus is not preaching a do more, try harder message. Oh, he is saying that our life of faith will be borne out in our ethics and in our actions. He is saying that his disciples bear fruit. But he's not saying we can make it happen. The whole point of the book of Matthew is to drive us not towards self-sufficiency, but to drive us to our need for a savior. That's why he began the Sermon on the Mount speaking about the virtue of being poor in spirit, recognizing how impoverished we are. That's why he ends this Sermon on the Mount by talking about how astonished people were with Jesus. That's what verses 28 and 29 say. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Matthew wants us to listen to the Sermon on the Mount, listen to the demands of life in the kingdom, and realize we are completely incapable of living this way on our own. That's why the book of Matthew begins in chapter 1, verse 21, where we're going to be next week as we start the Advent series, by the declaration that Jesus has come to save people from their sins. Because when we realize the way life in God's kingdom is supposed to be lived, and when we realize how very short we fall, we are supposed to go to Jesus and ask him to transform us. That's what we said it means to be a disciple of Jesus, right? We've been talking about what it is to be a disciple. We've used the same definition over and over and over. We've said that a disciple of Jesus is someone who is following Jesus, someone who is being transformed by Jesus, and someone who is committed to the mission of Jesus. So to say that we're following Jesus means we have made a conscious choice that we want to follow him. We have considered the two ways and decided that what we want is God's way. But that's not all it is to be a disciple of Jesus, is it? A disciple of Jesus is also someone who is being changed by Jesus. This means that we're aware we can't do it on our own. 
that we need him to change us. We need him to change the desires of our hearts, to change our attitudes and our actions. We need Jesus to make us more like him, to make us live out the kingdom of God. And then as Jesus changes us, as our hearts become more and more aligned with God's kingdom, then we find ourselves genuinely desiring what Jesus wants more and more. That's how we are committed to the mission of Jesus. But this all begins with a choice between God's way and any other way. So this morning, have you made that choice? Have you made a conscious choice that you want God's kingdom? That you want Jesus to be the king of your heart? That you want Jesus to rule in your heart and that you want him more than you want anything else in this life? If you haven't yet made that decision, is today the day you're ready to make it? You have heard all about the beauty of God's kingdom. And you've heard about how the way to God's kingdom will be difficult, but it'll be worth it. You've heard that Jesus will not share the throne of your life. And hearing all that, do you still want it? If you do, tell him that right now. Choose. Make a choice. Or maybe you've made that, that first choice, that initial choice that you want God's way, but maybe you haven't really surrendered to that second part of being a disciple of Jesus, allowing him to change you. Maybe you've been coming to church and enjoying the community that we have here, but you realize you haven't actually surrendered to Jesus to let him change you more into his likeness. Or maybe you've been a Christian a long time and you've enjoyed a lot learning about God's word but you realize you've been doing more accumulating knowledge than you have been focusing on practicing, doing what God's word says. Maybe today is the day you ask God to help you produce fruit that looks like his kingdom. This passage invites us to make a choice, to draw a line in the sand, to choose today who we will serve. And that's what we're going to do this morning. This morning, just like we do every week, we're going to have a few moments where you can just listen to God, listen to what God's saying to you this morning. And then when you're ready, you can come up and take communion. And after that, the band's going to play a song. During that song, if you're sensing God asking you to make a choice, to decide if you're really going to live for him or not, can I invite you to come forward so we can pray for you? This can be any kind of line-in-the-sand moment that you sense God asking you to make today. Maybe it's the first step to tell God you want his way, you want to follow him. Maybe you need to decide to surrender to his work of changing you. Maybe it's about living for his kingdom and not your own. But if God's saying anything to you today about drawing some kind of line in the sand, I want to invite you to come up and let your community pray for you. Listen, I know these kinds of moments can make people uncomfortable. So if you just really can't, I'll be here still after church. We'll still be here. We can pray with you. But I also know that taking some sort of physical action can be a helpful response for us. That it can be a beautifully vulnerable thing to do that allows the whole community to come alongside you and, and encourage what God is saying to you. So if you are hearing that you need to draw a line in the sand this morning, if God is saying, make a choice today, 
then after we take communion, once the band begins to play, we're all going to stand. Well, will you come up so we can pray for you? If someone you love is coming up and you want to come up with them in support of them, please do that. They don't have to come by themselves. We're going we're gonna to take communion. Then we're going to sing. And if anybody's sensing God saying something to them today about drawing a line in the sand, I want to invite you up so your community can pray for you. So let me pray, and then we'll have some time to just listen and take communion. God, your way leads to life, and everything else leads to death. We confess that. Lord, you know the state of each of our hearts. You know where each of us need to draw a line in the sand today to say that we choose you. We choose your way. We need your help. And so will you speak to each of us what we need to hear? Help us hear your loving voice inviting us to life. We belong to you. We are yours. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.